Okay. Um, this is the parsha. Today's parsha is Ra'era. Ra'era is the parsha of most of the makot of Mitzrayim and the parsha of Ra'era. Right? The first of the makot, we usually call it ten makot, even though there may have been more than ten. I mean, uh, but the ten makot that we usually refer to, like on the Seder, on Pesach night, uh, one dam, the first one is in the parish of Shmot, and the next six are in the parish of Ra'era, and the, the last three, Arbe, Choshech, and Bechorot, are in Bo. So that, that, that's how it divides up. But then, because of that, um, the parish, the, the dam, the first Makkah, which is separate and in the parish of Shemot, and the parish of Barad, which is the seventh Makkah, are both set in parashiyot on, on their own, right? It's sort of like there's a, uh, the end of the parish of Vaera is a, a stop. In other words, it says, it says somehow that Barad is very important. That Barad is very important, that Dam is very important, and that Makat Pechorot is very important. Those are the three endings. The three endings, and we'll have to see if that's carried out somehow in the, in the Psukim, in the Psukim themselves. Now, as you know, there are a lot of stories being told simultaneously in the stories of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. There's the story of Moshe. Right, which we're not going to deal with today, but everybody realizes that Moshe, he became, he had to become a, a leader. He wasn't a leader before. He ran away. He ran away from Mitzrayim. He was afraid that he would be caught and punished for what he had done. On the other hand, he exhibited uh, a, a moral position that was of significance. He was a he was already a significant individual, but not a significant leader. And he was turned into a leader. Right? He was turned into a leader with his confrontation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu at the at the Sne, and then with his confrontation with B'nai Yisrael, and then he had a confrontation with Paro Melech Mitzrayim. And so there's the story, you could tell the story of Moshe Rabbeinu becoming a leader. That is the story of of B'nai Yisrael. B'nai Yisrael had to garner faith in Moshe Rabbeinu's leadership. I mean, okay, Moshe Rabbeinu came and said, I'm the guy, I was appointed by Kodesh Baruch And they may have even believed him, but they may not have known what to expect. Because we know that in the parasha, in the parasha they kind of step back. B'nai Yisrael, first they were enthusiastic about Moshe Rabbeinu, and then they stepped back. From, from Moshe Rabbeinu. So you have all of these concurrent stories being told and then some of the stories intertwine with each other. Like in, uh, for, in order for Moshe Rabbeinu to become the leader, B'nai Yisrael had to be worthy of leadership, so, so to speak. Leadership, having a leader doesn't mean that you, are, that you have no competence or no position or no, no power, but having a leader Having a leader means that you can see your way out of the problem that you're in if you follow this leader. That's an achievement. That's something that people, people have to come to. It's not like you're standing still and you're saying, oh, okay, let him lead me out of Mitzrayim. 
as though that that's not how it works. So you have in the stories Shvot Vaera Bo. Right, Shvot Vaera Bo is about the becoming, becoming Moshe Rabbeinu, becoming Bnei Yisrael, becoming the relationship between Bnei Yisrael in Goshen and the Egyptians. And finally, what we want to look at a little bit closer today is the relationship between Paro and Yitziat Mitzrayim. Like what role does Paro uh, 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 play? I mean, you have to admit that the name Paro is mentioned many times in the Torah. And, you know, he got this, he got this terrific obituary. Uh, uh, he got all the Jews every, every year reading about Paro, Nachabal Paro, Nachabal Paro. As he, was a, he, he was a man of significance. He was a man of significance in this process of Yitziat Mitzrayim. But what exactly was his role? I mean, usually we take it as obvious that by Chazek et Paro, that God strengthened the heart of Paro, made him obstinate, made him difficult, right? So that sort of says, well, he was just a jerk. I mean, like, like, what difference does it make what he, what he had to say? But that's not, uh, maybe that's not the pshat. Maybe by Yechazek at Leif Paro is a more autonomous act. That he did it to himself. He managed to conjure up the strength to withstand Moshe Rabbeinu's pleading, demanding, speaking about leaving Mitzrayim. Maybe by Yechazek at Leif Paro has that different has that different meaning. In any event, let's look. Let's look at what uh, first. First, we have uh, the 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 sources in Perikay, right? Pasuk Aleph. Vachav ba'o Moshe va'Aaron va'yomru el Paro. So this is Moshe and Aaron fulfilling the charge that a Kaddish Baruch Hu gave them: go to Paro and tell him. Go and talk to Paro. Va'yomru el Paro ko amar Hashem elokei Yisrael. Shalach et ami v'yachogu li ba'midbar. Shalach et ami v'yachogu li ba'midbar. So this is a kind of problematic. Why, why, did, why did he have to say, I mean, after all, the idea was leaving Mitzrayim and not coming back. But when you say, Shalach et ami v'yachogu li ba'midbar, you leave the impression that maybe you're going to come back. Like, like as, as Moshe Rabbeinu explains, he says, but Vayom Paro, Mi Hashem Hashem Bekolo, the Shalach at Yisrael, Lo Yadati at Hashem, Gabet Yisrael, Lo Ashalech, Lo Yadati at Hashem, Lo Yadati, and that's what, that's what the Pasuk says, that Paro said. So, in other words, this is the world that we are living in. We're living in a world of multiple gods. Everybody thinks they have the God thing under control because they're all worshipping something, somebody, somehow. Uh, in, in Mitzrayim, we learned later on, or we learned already before, that they worshipped the Nile, because the Nile gave them sustenance. Right? They didn't get rain in Mitzrayim, but the Nile overflowed, and that enabled them to do agriculture, that enabled them, that enabled them to, to live. And we know all of that from the stories of Yosef. But here, in this, these psukim, it says, let's go, we'll go out, but not because we're not going to come back, 
but because we want to be we want to be happy together with ourselves in the desert in a place where you have no where you have no dominion you're not under we're not under your control now why would Paro agree to such an idea I mean it's absolutely amazing who is this God that you are referring me to that I have to listen to him. I don't want to listen to him. Mishalach et Yisrael. Lo yadati et Hashem. I don't know this God. Vegam et Yisrael lo ashaleh. Okay. So Rashi says. Rashi tells us. Vachar bo Moshe v'aron. Avalaskeinim nishmitu. Echad echad meachar Moshe v'aron. It was originally. Moshe and Aaron kept in. Went and met with the skeinim. But here, when they go finally to Paro, it's only Moshe and Aaron who go. Rashi finds this of significance, and he says uh, that, that what happened was the Skenim kind of faded away. As they were walking from their meeting to Paro, uh, so one Zakain left here, went to the right, and one went to the left, and they all went. By the time they got to Paro, there were no Skenim. Achinishmetu kulam. They were all disappeared before they got to the castle. They were afraid. They were afraid. It was like, here's the, here's the idea. They said, okay, Moshe Rabbeinu, you can be the leader. We'll follow you, but we're not going to follow you that closely. Right? You, get, you go in there fast, and we'll see what happens. You know, if the fireworks are not too offensive, oppressive, so then we will come and join you. But if they really give you a hard time, if they give the, the paro gives you a hard time, we're, we're not we're not involved. It's an interesting idea. It's an interesting idea. And this was considered to be a hate, a, 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 a transgression on the part of the Zakenim. Zakenim lost their faith in Moshe Rabbeinu. Or they exhibited a lack of faith. In Moshe Rabbeinu, and as a result, we see ninety fralahem. Right, there's a pasuk. The pasuk of Mishpatim says, "When Igash Moshe levado, vehem lo Igashu." That Moshe Rabbeinu went up on Har Sinai when he went up to get the Torah. Not the first time when he went to get the Aser that they brought, but he went to get the rest, of the whole Torah. Then Moshe Rabbeinu went up himself, and every, no one else was allowed to come to come with him. Igash Moshe levado, vehem lo Igashu. He turned, made them turn back. So really what, he's, what Rashi is doing for us is he's also explaining that pasuk in Mishpatim. He's saying, so why? Because they didn't deserve it. They didn't do this. Kenim, well, what are Kenim? Kenim are old people, but they're also Chachamim. And if they are Chachamim, they should have known that Moshe Rabbeinu's Shlichut would be successful. And that they should not have had doubts about what would happen. And that having doubts for some people, not for everybody, but for some people, when you get to a certain level of understanding, doubt is, is a hate. It's a, it's a, because, because leadership, leadership is probably uh, ripples down. There's a ripple down effect, right? It was Moshe Rabbeinu was the leader. But in between Moshe Rabbeinu and the the, the lowest level of uh, Torah Jews at that time, there were different levels of leadership. 
right? So each level, each level had to prove itself on its, you know, on, on, of its standard. That's what that's what Rashi that's what Rashi says. That way, if we look at pasuk pasuk. Uh, uh, so this is what, what Paro said. Vayome Paro. Paro speaks alone. He speaks alone here, right? Vayome Paro. Mi Hashem What does that mean? Mi Hashem I think it means, like you say, he's not, he's not ours. We don't listen to him. Now, he didn't say he is not God or he has no power. That was not the Paro's position. Paro's vision was that the world is divided up. There's like uh, uh, global distinctions. You, you worship A over here and B over there and C over there. And so he says, Mi Hashem Asher Who is this God that you tell me I should listen to? Doesn't mean that it's not a God. It doesn't mean that it has no power. But Paro says, says you haven't convinced me that I have to knuckle under to the power of a foreign god. That's what that's what he says. Now we skip the pasuk vav. So Rashi and so as a result of the previous conversation, Paro commanded the noksim and the shotri. Noksim and Shotim. So Rashi says Noksim, Mitzrayim Hayu. This was these were the oppressors. These were the oppressors of the slaves, and they were Mitzrayim. They were Mitzrayim, right? Right. Noksim and Shotrav. Rashi says, you see Rashi Shotrav Hayu Yisraelim. So it's like I mean I don't mean to make a silly comparison, but you know it's like it's like the the Germans. You know, they got the Jews to work for them. Uh, so the same thing is true. I mean, Rashi, long before the Shoah, he quotes, he's quoting Chazal, and he says, The guy who is the, the, uh, uh, the stormtrooper above the, the higher level, he he's controls several Shodrim, Jewish uh, 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 police officers and, and the shoter, the Jew he's the one who actually beats the ones who do, who do the work I mean it's like uh, the comparison is too obvious to spend too much time on so look at Pasuk Vav again so again it's a story about Paro. There's a story here about Paro. Paro is the only actor. Paro is not communicating with his advisors. He's not. The, he doesn't have any partners. He's just Paro. That's all. That's all there is. Uh, and then he says, "Pasuk Zayin, Loto Sifun Teben Teben." So we all know. The straw to make the bricks was denied the Jews. They had to go find it on their, find it on their own. Of course, the work was going to be much harder. Uh, okay, so Rashi explains explains what teven and what uh, explains the words in this pasuk. Let's go to pasuk chet. 
ואת מתכונת הלבנים שהם עושים תמוזל שוב, והמתכונת היא, כמו במודרן היברו, זה סיסטם, זה פלנד אמאונט. A planned amount. So, so whatever the amount is that they're supposed to make, whatever the amount of bricks that they're supposed to make, so that's how you know how much straw they have to, they have to collect on their own. Yesterday, the day before yesterday, Tasimu Alehem, obligate them. Tasimu Alehem means to obligate them to bring that same amount. That same amount, lo tigreu mi menu, lo tigreu don't reduce that level, because they know that sometimes the shotrim and the noksim, you know, have a little bit of mercy. So he adds that phrase, lo tigreu mi mehem, right, don't mi menu, don't make, don't limit it, don't make it less, ki nir pimhem, because they, just because they're very weak and tired and they have trouble, al kenhem so akim lemor, because they're not tired and they're not really beaten down and they still have strength so that gives them what do they do with that strength that they have left they they scream out all the time now who said Moshe Rabbeinu said it to Paro but Paro translates it he says oh I know Moshe Rabbeinu he represents them so if he said Nelchav and Nisbecha, it means they said Nelchav and Nisbecha. So if they said Nelchav and Nisbecha, then they're not really slaves, because slaves don't have the strength uh, to, to fight against the system. Along comes, along comes Paro, and he says, let's make the system stronger. He wasn't against Moshe Rabbeinu. He didn't say, let's lock up Moshe Rabbeinu. He didn't say, he saw the problem immediately as a problem of Am Yisrael, of the slavery, of the system of slavery, which enabled, I mean, it's like, it's like you know, those stories of the 19th century about, about unionizing, uh, uh, the beginning of the 20th century, unionizing particular uh, uh, segments of the working population. So who's responsible? You want to stop it. You want to stop the unionizing. So what do you do? If you kill the guy who's in charge, well, maybe there should be another guy in charge. So how about doing away with the whole kit and caboodle of them? You know, you give them, you make things difficult. That was Paro's decision. Paro made a decision to punish every single Jew because he saw it as a problem of ex excess energy, that they were strong. And because they were strong, uh, they they were able to scream. Nelchav nisbechal elokeinu. Pasuk tet tichbad avodal anashim. Make them work harder. Viasuba, viasuba, val yishu bedivrei sheker. Viasuba, they'll work at it. Let them work at the work that I give. That's what they should be doing. They shouldn't have time to uh, to prepare for the insurrection. Right, that have strength, have strength to say nail chavin is bechal elokeinu. No, tichbad avodal anashim pasuk tet viasuba val yishu b'divreishen. They should not uh, 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 involve themselves in a lying in a lie. Now, what's the lie? You see, pasuk tet. It's the third wide line in the Rashi. 
the third wide line in the Rashi, that's what the Pasuk says, Al Yehegu, they should not make noises, with meaningless things, to say meaningless things like What do you mean, how could a slave say to his master, could you just give me a couple of days off to go to the desert? I mean, obviously he's never going to come back. <coughs> so that's called, that Rashi says is called Divrei Ruach, words of wind. Right? You know wind? Wind comes out of your mouth, sound comes out of your mouth. But if just wind comes out of your mouth, that's, you know. Havel. Havel, Havel, Kohelet, Akol Havel. Havel is the breath that you breathe. And the breath that you breathe is seen by Kohelet as the thing that symbolizes an inability to defend something. In other words, you spend your life having a good time, and when it's over, the Kohelet, I'm talking about Kohelet, when it's over, you can't really explain what you got out of the partying that you did, the places you went to, the things that you did, right? You know, all of that is, all of that becomes uh, Hevel. So that's what... Dom, uh, and, and then he has a, uh, the rest of the Rashi explains this Pasuk. So we see, we see that uh, this, is, this is the introduction to the relationship between Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu and uh, Paro. Right? Paro is, is the man, the man in charge. Now in Perak Zion, the next the next uh, section, Perak Zion Pasukabet, Pasukabet is about Dam. Right? The Maka of Dam. And the Pasuk says it's not on the sheet, but the Pasuk says that everything died, right? And the fish in the river died. Vayiv Asha Yor and the and the the river stank. Veloya Chlumitzrayim Nishdot Ma'im Minay Yor. Vayi Adam Bekol Eretz Mitzrayim. So I don't know uh, to visualize. I mean, I, I don't. Uh, what do you mean? Everything turned into blood, so they couldn't drink anything. Can't drink anything. You're in trouble. At least according to one of the more recent doctors that I have visited, said you better drink. If you don't drink, it's going to be terrible. So I said, it's terrible without drinking. So he said, better this terrible than that terrible. So I said, okay, I'll drink. So, uh, so well, how did they do it? How did they get through it? So if you look at the Pasuk, look at the Pasuk, So like, what is it that happened after the Makkah of Dam? The Khartumim were able also in some way, manner, or form to duplicate the Makkah of Dam. Right? So once they are able to duplicate the Makkah of Dam, then you could of course say, you, you could say, well, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter if Moshe Rabbeinu's Dam was worse than the Khartumim's Dam. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter if it was big Dam or little dumb. The fact that the Khartoumim were able to do something similar to or almost the same as Moshe Rabbeinu indicated, indicated that 
what Moshe, that Moshe Rabbeinu was not representing was not representing Kel Elyon. Kel Elyon, one God. One God that had to be accepted by all. Right? So that was what the Khartoubim gave to Paro. Paro was an intellectual. And Paro said, look, you did the dam, and I did the dam. Why should I listen to, your, to you? So Moshe Rabbeinu said, but look at my dam. I mean, it's really, it's really overwhelming. Right? It's not just that he was obstinate and that there was an obstinance that came from God, but it was rather, it was rather that Paro, Paro uh, uh, reasoned it. He said, this is not the end of the world. This is not the God of gods. This is not the God that I have to listen to. Because we can also do it. We do the same thing. Okay? Rashi, Bilatehem, Vayasuke Khadim Bilatehem, Lachash, Shomimoto Bilat Ubukashai. Lachash is some kind of a, a, a magical uh, inscription or a, a statement uh, that you say, Bilat Ubukashai, secretly. It's a secret power. That the word belatehem, which doesn't have a hay in it, right? Is vaseh sheidim. Sheidim are shades. Shades. I don't. I don't, I don't know a better a better translation. Belahatehem masek shafim. Shafim is usually magic. We say magic. Now magic, of course, you could you could have a, a difference of opinion about magic. You could say it's real. I mean, that's the whole idea of magic, right? To convince you that it's real. I thought. Okay, so now it says again. Rashi, by chazek leipar olomar al yedei mechashefot atem osim kain. So that's what that's what Paro Paro said something. He said, "Look, maybe you're just you're just magicians." Maybe you just belong to that group of people in the world. There are magicians every place you are. So maybe you're a magician. So why should I listen to you? Right? Why should I listen to you? Bring the Teben to Ophraim. He says, Maybe that's where they came from, these, these magicians. You had to bring the Teven from a faraway place. So maybe you brought with the Teven, you brought the Machashefot. That's what the Medrash, that's what the Medrash says. That's what Rashi, Rashi quotes. In Posuk of Gimel, Vayifen paro lavo el beitov, velo shat libo gamazot. Vayifen paro vayavo el beitov. He turned away. He came to his house. And he did not give his heart to this either. Rashi says, Gamlazot, Limofeta Matet, Shinefach Litanin, Velola Zeshaldam. So we know that there are two major miracles that have already occurred. This is uh, in Shmot, in the Parish of Shmot, right? The Tanin, he took the staff, he threw it down, and turned into the snake, picked it up, and turned it back into a, into a staff. That was, you know, 
that was considered a serious miracle, but on a very individualistic level, there was no punishment involved. No one was punished. It was just a, a sign, right? The Torah says that if somebody comes <coughs> and says, I'm a Navi, I'm a prophet, then we have, <coughs> we have to ask him to do a miracle. If he'll do a miracle or two miracles, then we can accept him as a prophet as long as he doesn't say anything that contradicts the Torah. But that's how we will find out that he's a, that he's a, a, a prophet. We'll find that he's a prophet by, by uh, asking him to do a miracle. Asking him to do a miracle. Okay? Okay, Gamla Zot. So Rashi here mentions the mate that turns into a snake and lazeshel dam. Even though dam, dam is considered the first of the ten makot because it's a makah against Mitzrayim. Whereas the mateh, that the, the turned into a snake, then the snake turned back into a mateh, the, they didn't affect anybody. But both of those, both of those uh, makot were repeated by the Khartoumim and caused uh, pyro to be intransigent, intransigent, right? That's what that's what happened. Okay. Now, the next one is about the tzvardim. Remember the tzvardim? Mm-hmm. It's hard to imagine what exactly. Like, if you try to compare makot, so you know there was a makah called tzvardim. A lot of frogs jumping around. There's another makah called arov. We had all the Vildechayas in the world running around. So somehow, even though I can understand that Tzvardim are Nudniki, but that it's possible, it's possible nevertheless to differentiate Tzvardim from Arof. I mean, you know, the wild animals uh, sound a lot worse. But in any event, here's the story of the Tzvardim. By Asuke Nechatumim, Again, the Khartoumim, the, uh, the these magicians working for Paro, they did it. Again, Paro takes, takes a leadership. He's the leader. He's a, he feels he's in charge. Vayomer Alehem. Vayomer, I'm sorry. Ha'atiru el Hashem. Please request from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. V'yaser hatzvardim mimeni umaami meami. So he's negotiating. He, Paro, is willing to negotiate with Moshe Rabbeinu. He says, "Look, go and ask God to remove the tzvardim, and I, Ashalchat ha'am bezbechal Hashem." So he's lowered the level. He's lowered his own position. He's, uh, he said, okay, if you get rid of the Tzvardim, I'll send you out to give, uh, uh, to sacrifice to God. Is a word that reflects uh, majesty, like it's by Eli. You're you're bigger than I am. You're better than I am. 
למתי אעתיר לך ולעבדיך ולעמך להכרית הצוורדאים ממך? When? For when? For when? Tell me the time that I should get rid of these צוורדאים for your slaves, your people to get rid of the צוורדאים ממך ובתיך רק ביאור תישארנו they'll only be left in the יאור Rashi, you see the Rashi at the bottom of the page, the second line towards the end, Lamatai Aatir Lecha, Et Asher Aatir Lecha Yom Al Hachratat Hatsvardeim, Lamatai Tirzeh Sheyichritu, Lamatai Tirzeh Sheyichritu. Just tell me the time. Tell me when I should do it, and I'll do it with your E. אם אשלים דבר למועד שתיקבע לי ותראה and you'll take note that I'm going to do it exactly at the time that you tell me to do it אילו נאמר אילו נאמר מתי אעתיר if it would have said in the פסוק מתי אעתיר היה משמע מתי אתפלל it'd be like when will I daven? When will it would be about himself? Like Moshe Rabbeinu saying, Oh, when am I going to do this? I have a busy schedule tomorrow, so two o'clock. But he said, Limatai. But he said, Limatai. Hashem said, Ma Limatai. Mashmani ayom et palel alecha sheikhritu atzvardeim lizman shetikba alai. You determine the time, he said to, to Paro. You determine the time. אמור לאיזה יום, turn the page, לאיזה יום, לאיזה יום, תרצה שיכרתו. האתיר, I will daven. האתירו, התתרתי, ולא נאמר אתר, אתר, מפני שכל לשון אתר הרבות פלא הוא. That's what the, the word means. וכאשר יאמר חרבו הרבה, הרביתי. לשון מאפיל וכן יאמר העתיר העתירו והתרתי דברים ועם לכולם העתרתם the, 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 rosh, the root uh, word in this case is העתרתם עלי דבריכם right the possible here ביתם that, that, that's the end you see that last word here ביתם that means you, you became a lot there's a lot of you there's a lot of you. So again, Moshe Rabbeinu is creating on the, the Makat Tzvardea. Dam is in the parasha Shemot. Tzvardea is in the parasha of Ba'era, our parasha. Tzvardea, Moshe Rabbeinu goes to Paro and says, well, whatever you say, Paro, tell me a time. Give me, a, give me something to shoot at. I want you to make sure that you know that the removal of the Svardim is not like an accident. It's not like the Svardim came, they had something to eat for lunch, and now they checked out, they went to Ethiopia or something. No, no, I want to show you that, that I, I, through God, have been charged, not only of bringing the Svardim, but of getting rid of the Svardim. So it could be, it could be that the punishment of Svardim, I just want to mention, that the punishment of Tzvardim, according to the simple reading of the Pasuk, is not Tzvardim. Like, you know, you could like sweep them out of the room and close the door and maybe they won't bother you too much. But the punishment of Tzvardim was to make sure that Moshe Rabbeinu understood, that not, not Moshe Rabbeinu, that Paro understood that it was from God. 
How is Paros supposed to understand that it was from God? How? By removing the Tzvar De'im at a particular moment. At a particular moment in time. So we go back to these Pesukim. Pasuk Vav. Right where Pasuk Chet, Pasuk Vav. Vayom lemachar, vayom kidvarcha leman tedaki ein ka Hashem. Elokeinu. So Paros said, tomorrow I want you to do it. So Moshe said, no problem. We'll do it tomorrow and then you will understand what you're dealing with what you're dealing with ki ein kashem elokeinu ein kashem elokeinu pasuk zayin pasuk zayin v'saru ha-tzvar de'im mimcha u'bibatecha me'abatecha me'amecha rak ba'yoti sha'arna and what are we missing here? what are we missing? Like we, we're missing the, the end of the story. Like like, so what? Is, so did they leave? <coughs> where, where, what did Paro say? Okay, that's pasuk Zion. That's pasuk Zion. One second. Berchet, Berchet pasuk Yud Aleph. I'm sorry that he did it this way. There's two pasukim missing. What? There's three pasukim missing apparently. Okay, take care. Oh, which one? Three dots. Right. So this is this pasuk is also about the tzvardim. Pasuk Yud Aleph. You see, vayar parochi atahar vacha vachbed that's that's Paro. That's the end of the story of the Tzvardeim. The end of the story of the Tzvardeim. Rashi, if you turn over the page, Rashi Yud Aleph, Vachbed et Libo Lashon Paul. Rashi is really involved in grammar here. Halok v'Nesoa. Okay, it, it, it doesn't matter. I don't want to get too involved. That God already told them that Paro would not would not listen. So now we're up to Pasuk Yud Zion. No. In a Vayasu kein achar tumim belatehem, yeah, pasuk yud dalit. You see parakhet pasuk yud dalit. That's about kinim. When I wrote it out, I I, I wanted it to divide it up that way, but he, he, he couldn't do it. Vayud dalit. See pasuk yud dalit on, on the first side. Parakhet pasuk yud dalit. The Khartumim did the same thing, in order to, so we did Dam, Tzvardeya, now we're up to Kinim. Kinim, whatever the Kinim are, I mean, today we call Kinim lice, uh, whatever they were, they were apparently a walking, a talking tragedy. You know that, uh, I don't know what happened to the key name. They seem to have disappeared in Israel. Is that true? No. No? Yeah. No? <laughs> no. They have the not? Children have grown up. What? Yes. The children have grown up. 
The children who had Kinim grew Your up. Yeah. I know, but what about the new children? They have it. Is that right? Yes. How come I don't hear about it? That's right. You know, 50 years ago, 50 years ago, they had, they decided that in order to get rid of the lice, that the problem was that you couldn't get it out of the kid's head because then tomorrow you went to Ghana again and there was another kid there who had kids, the whole thing was, was impossible. So they had Yom HaKinim in Israel and every single parent was supposed to comb the Kinim out of every single child in the country and that, and that didn't work. It doesn't work for the fact to me neither, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, they tried to, well, they tried something else. But here, Pasukhi Yodalit, Vayasukhi 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 Yodalit, uh, uh, Paro, he's, he's stuck with his position. His position is uh, uh, We did Kinim, so now we're up to Arov, right? Pasuk Yud Zayin Ki im eincha mishalech et ami inenimat shliach b'cha b'avadecha b'amcha b'avadecha Et Arov, these Vildechayas are going to come, you know, they're going to escape the, they're going to escape from Ramad Gan. Well, they call that the safari. They're going to escape from the safari and they're going to eat you all up. The thing is that all the lions in the safari in Ramad Gan are retired lions from the Kruger National Park in, uh, in uh, South Africa. So in South Africa, where they get to the point where they can't move enough to get lunch, they wrap them up and they send them to Ramat Gan. And Ramat Gan, they give them lunch. You know, like, you know. So they look like lions. And they sound like lions, but they don't move. I wouldn't recommend though, stepping in. What? I still wouldn't recommend like stepping into their space. It's well, when they play shuffleboard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, they have a they have a hall there. They you could do a wedding there, or you know, an event. So I married somebody there. It was very nice. I looked up, and I saw two giraffes looking at me. Oh wow! And I thought that this was unreasonable. And no rabbinic training had explained to me what I was supposed to do at that particular moment. So I declared the two giraffes not kosher for Eidut, and I sent them packing. <laughs> but this, the first part of the story is true. Uh, he, again, Pasuk Yudzayin, again, at our rope, right? Pasuk Yudchet, an added miracle. That Eretz Goshen would be separated. They'd be separated from the rest of Mitzrayim, and the Arov would not get to, uh, uh, to uh, Eretz Goshen. The Viltia Yotsham Arov, Leman Teidan, order that you should know, Kiani Hashem, Bekerif Eretz. So is the assumption that the other plagues actually hit Goshen also? And that only this one, because it's specified, does not extend to Goshen. 
I guess you could say that, or you could say something else. You could say this is the model. He says, in other words, this was the, the, the one that was chosen to, to explain that there was this division, but that it might be true for all of the Makot. Or you would say that for some reason it was important for the Jews to suffer a bit also. And that's why God always listened to Moshe Rabbeinu when he said retract, retract the, uh, the plague. Because if you measured it by the amount of damage that it was supposed to do to the Jews, that was done already. So you had to get rid of the plague. I'm just responding to your to your really question. Is that they did have it? Because, like, you know, growing up, one would say that the, the, the plagues didn't touch them, right? Isn't that the overall uh, theory that one learns? That the, the, the plagues were on the Egyptians and not on the Jews? Yeah, except for Choshech. Zephyr which did affect the Jews. Right, so we're but you don't about know. The frogs. The well, I mean, the Egyptians lived through all the plagues. And, and uh, so here you have in the plague of Arob, which is sort of like easy to, harder to contain. I mean, look, you can live through a plague of locusts, and you can live through a plague of, of kinim, of, of lice, even though it's very difficult. But you're going to live through it. But Arov is already uh, uh, very serious. So it could be. It could be that this was the first time that Vesabti Pedut, that this distinction between the Jews and the Egyptians had to be made, that this was the first time. Perhaps also it's more unnatural for wild animals to... Uh, to know, be wild. To, no, to go all over except for one place. Uh, with, uh, with Kinim, with Spadeh, maybe they only, they only infest in one given area. But with wild animals, you expect them just to go all over the place without any waters. Okay. So, so, so it's, uh, it's, more, uh, it's more obvious that it's a miracle when they specifically leave one place alone. Well, let's say, Pasukyo Tet, Vesabti Pedut, I make this distinction. So, midrashically, it has a lot, of, a lot of meaning. And that it could mean that at this point, it was obvious that Para was not going to be convinced. That whatever role Para played representing the rest of the world in Yitziat Mitzrayim, that he was not going to be convinced, he was not going to be redeemed. There would have to be Kriyat Yabsuf, and he would have to be lead his people into some kind of great tragedy, because there was no way to satisfy to satisfy him. And that's what Pasukitet says, I, I put this divider between my people and yours. And that's going to take place tomorrow. And this Arov came into the house of Paro. And the, <coughs> the entire land was destroyed. And this is the first time it says that. It didn't happen for Dam and Tzvadeh and Kinim. Right? Didn't happen. Right? It happened with Arov. 
Arov became devastating. It was the end. It was the end of the story. But it was only because Paro refused to accept the primacy of Hashem. Right? He refused. He said, okay, you know, you did this, you did that, but doesn't mean I have to listen. Doesn't mean I am obligated. Doesn't mean that I am connected. And now in Pasuk, uh, uh, again, Pasuk of Aleph, Vayikra par oel Moshe olarod vayom elechuz Ba'aretz, go and he, he couldn't take this, the Arov was too much for him. He said, go and sacrifice, go and sacrifice, Ba'aretz. Right? And then Moshe says, Pasuk of Gimel, Derech Shloshit Yomim Neilech Benvav Zavachnu, Lashem Elokeinu Kashayim Ha'ileinu. Don't go too far into the desert. Pray for me. Pray for me. What is pray for me? It's Paro. A Paro, he gets to this point. He says, pray for me. You see Pasuk Cafe, the next Pasuk. What is that? I'll daven. I'm going to daven for you. That's what, that's what he says. But Paro should not be cynical. So something happened. Something happened to Paro as a result of the Arot. Like two, two things. One, he didn't capitulate entirely, but he did capitulate partially. Right? The partial capitulation was when he asked Moshe Rabbeinu to daven on his behalf. That's what happened. That's what happened to... Uh, so Yosef, so Paro, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Okay. Ayobah Moshe Kafei. Don't be sarcastic about all of this. And I will daven, I will daven for you. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm reading the wrong thing. Pasuk Pasuk Habzayin. You see, Vayas Hashem Gidvar Moshe. Vayasor Arov Miparod. The Arov disappeared. Meavadav Meavod. No Dishacharad. Nothing was left. Vayichabed Paro et Libogam Bapam Azot Veloshilachet Ha'am. And even though he asked Moshe Rabbeinu to daven for him, and even though Moshe Rabbeinu went out and did daven for him, didn't just daven for the Egyptians, didn't daven to get rid of the of the blood or the kinem or the svardeya, he davened for he davened for Paro, he davened for Paro. And Paro asked him to daven for Paro. In spite of all of that, in spite of all of that, he he uh, uh, he didn't let the Jews leave Mitzrayim. Uh, if you look at the Rashi, look at the Rashi. One second, where is the Rashi? Mante da. Yeah. 
Vayetar el Hashem. You see the Rashi and Pasuk Kavav. On page two, the first, the first glob of Rashi, three lines from the bottom. Three lines from the bottom. Vayetar el Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu Davin for Paro. Yes? Nit ametz batfilah, Rashi says. What is Vayetar? I mean, there are a lot of words that you could use in Hebrew to say Davin. But yet, Vayetar is not a word that you use commonly. And Rashi says that that word means mitameitz b'tfilah. Mitameitz b'tfilah. You have to work hard at it. You have to try. V'cheidim ba lomar v'yatir ayayichol lomar umashma v'yirbe b'tfilah. He could have said v'yatir and that would be to have a lot of davening. Keshuhu omer b'lashon v'yifau I mean, if you remember your stay in uh, uh, Ulpan, so this is Rashi calls Atid, the Atid Vayif Al, Mashma Vayir Ber Lehit Palel, that he had to daven a lot. To save Paro, he had to daven a lot. So you see that Moshe Rabbeinu undergoes this kind of transformation as well. He's saving Mitzrayim, he's saving. Uh, he's saving B'nai Israel. He's saving Paro. He's saving Paro because he doesn't, because he knows that the end will be conclusive. That at the end, Paro will lose in this, in this ongoing debate with, uh, with Moshe, with Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay. In Perik Tes, Post of Zion, Oh, we have a problem. Perk test Pesach Zion. Yeah. We're at the next Pesach. You see the next Pesach? Yeah. Uh, Somehow the Shekhin got got missing. Deborah. No. So it's Pasuk Yud Aleph. And there's a line of Aleph, Hashkin. Yeah. Pasuk Yud Aleph. Pasuk Yud Aleph. Moshe Ashkin. Ashkin Mitzrayim. Very short. A, a very short rendition of the Shechin. Of the Shechin. Uh, he took the, the ash from the, from the oven. And he threw it into the uh, into the sky, and it became shchin ababuot poreach ba'adam and it caused all kinds of skin lesions in the in people and in behemot. But the end, but the end of shchin, it just says pasuk yud bet v'chazek Hashem et leipar ovelo shemalihem kashet v'Hashem el Moshe. It didn't make any difference. Then there's barad. Barat kaved mo'od, and that's what really we have to we have to look at. So, it, 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 in any event, my time is up. 
And when I, when I uh, well, maybe next time we'll start from Barat and do the, the three makot in, uh, in Bishalach. In Bo. What? In Bo, I'm sorry. Shmos Vaira Bo. Shmos Vaira Bo. I used to know that. What? I used to know it very well. But you see, what? But you see, you see that Paro, you will see it in Barad even more. The status of Paro is involved in Yitzhak Mitzrayim. In, in, in other words, it's clear, we have to assume that if HaKadosh Baruch wanted Bnei Yisrael to leave on the spot, they would have left on the spot. If HaKadosh Baruch wanted them to leave with fewer makot, there would have been fewer makot. It wouldn't make any difference. It wouldn't make any difference. Whatever the pain level that was necessary to inflict on Mitzrayim to make sure that they let the people go, that could have been inflicted upon them in one time, in five times, in seven times, that, that you, have to, you have to say that somehow there was a learning level being achieved. That somehow, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what did you see as Mitzrayim? And this is what the Ramban says at the end of the parasha of Bo. Uh, a Ramban that's worth looking at and learning. That the Yitziat the, Mitzrayim was not only for the Jews, of course it was for the Jews, I mean, uh, they got out of Mitzrayim and that enabled them to represent themselves as worthy of Kabbalah Satorah, which was a problem, apparently. And that, that seems to me to be a reasonable explanation. God said to Amr Avinu, 400 years, and then they'll get out. 400 years for what? What are they doing in 400 years in Mitzrayim? They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't do anything. There was no particular sin that was committed by B'nai Yisrael which made them necessarily slaves in Mitzrayim. All of that is not, all of that is not true. It's not the case. So what were they doing in Mitzrayim? What were B'nai Yisrael doing? They were, they were improving themselves. They were sharpening themselves. They were making themselves more fit for Kabbalah Torah. Because obviously, uh, maybe not obviously, but I would think that in order to receive a great gift, you have to be worthy of, of that great gift. So if somebody gives you a great gift and it's written in Chinese, so you might say you didn't get anything if you don't know how to read and write in Chinese. Like you get things that for you, are worthless, right? And for somebody else, uh, uh, you know, are, are filled with tremendous value. So that the value, the value that you would have from receiving the Torah at Har Sinai is some sort of rapport with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It was like, if you, if you are worthy, I always say this, the, the Baral, Baral says that you have to be a vessel that could accommodate whatever you buy. You know, you ever go to the shuk and you have a sow and you buy more stuff than you, than you want or it doesn't fit into the sow? So it's a, real, it's a real problem. The same thing is true about the Torah. The Torah had to be given to somebody who knew or who could at least uh, think about its worth and its value. And that's what was happening in Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Now the offer was made, the offer was made to Paro to join in this enterprise in some way or other. To come along perhaps, 
to be part of Yitziat Mitzrayim. We know that they were, the Torah says that there was an Erev Rav. What's an Erev Rav? Undesirables. There were undesirables that came along and became part of this process. They became part of the process. What happened to them ultimately, I don't know, but, the, but this is a reasonable thing. It's reasonable that people who see something wondrous happening, even if they don't know what it is exactly, are kind of inclined to follow it along. And what's going on? If people say, hey, what is that? What's going on over there? Oh, let's go take a look. Right? People, people are that way. There's a fire. You want to go see the fire. It's crazy. Why would you want to go see a fire? But, but uh, I mean, it's dangerous. But no, but you go. People go. That's, that's, that's the way we are. We have this kind of innate curiosity so that if Paro was able to see that what was happening was something wondrous, he would have joined it. He would have become part of it. But he couldn't tear himself away from his own ideas or whatever he had in, in mind earlier, even if it meant that he would have to suffer for those, for those ideas. And ultimately, he had, to be, he had to be destroyed because of the ideas, because of the ideas that he had. So this is the story, this is almost the story of, of Paro. Right? We have to learn the Barad to figure out a little bit more about, uh, about uh, Paro. But it makes sense to me, it makes sense to me that it was an educational experience all the way around. B'nai Israel had something to learn. And they had to learn that they had to be, that they had to be confident. They had to have confidence about what it was that they were promised by God. That, by the way, is the meaning of bitachon in the Torah. Bitachon means, I, I trust God. Even though it looks terrible, the situation looks terrible, the, the, there are pogroms and there are wars and there are whatever, whatever other words you want to add to that, to that list. Nevertheless, I can, trust, I can trust the fact that the essential promise, which was that we will become a great nation on the one hand, that it will, it will inherit the land of, of Canaan, that that will happen. That will happen no matter what. It doesn't matter what it looks like at the, at the moment. So now B'nai Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael, the family of Israel, right, had all kinds of people in it, better people and less better people, right? You know, it's not like, it's probably not like a, a fairy tale kind of story where everybody's the same. But it's probably true that uh, there were different kinds of people who had different kinds of, of interests and, uh, and, and yet somehow we had, they had to, Moshe of his job is to bring all of them together and Rashi is right that when they stood at Har Sinai they were all belay vechad, they, they were all together. There was a togetherness because it makes sense that grand uh, uh, events produce remarkable results even though, even though there's no, no reasonableness to it, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way it's going to be. Okay, so next week we'll do Barad, Arbe, Choshech, and Makad, Bechorot. Then there's that Midrash that when they crossed the sea, they went in separate lines. They didn't all go together. Twelve, they went twelve different, yeah. That's the, the Arizal says that that's why we daven, we have different Nusachot and Tzvila. I was found in the Midrash.